listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and returning today, I'm so happy to have Eric Miller of the Pods and Sods Network. Eric, how you doing? Doing well. Should I call you Mr. Dog? I always just call you Alex. (laughs) You can call me Alex, you can call me Sly Dog, one of the two, whichever you're comfortable with. (laughs) Cool. Just don't call you late for dinner, right? As they say. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's funny. I just got back from Rock and Pod and I got asked that question a few times by the people I interviewed. So, yeah. I, that was the common have, question. Did you have a good time? Did you have a good time? Oh, it was so fun. Uh, that was a common question. The other one was, and you are how old? <laughs> Every <laughs> <Right>. time. Carmine <laughs> Apiece comes up to my table. First thing he says to me, and you are how old? <laughs> so, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah that's that that was fun though that was great that's great did you record out there did you have interviews and stuff yeah yeah uh be on the lookout people uh this episode hopefully is coming out a week after it recorded uh september is going to be rock and pod month so strap in awesome awesome good for you man happy to hear that yeah sorry i missed you that's all right i will say you guys were missed like uh, there was multiple times i was talking to different people and everybody everybody would be like someone's missing like we can't figure out what someone's missing. And I'd say Craig and Eric, and they go, "Oh yeah, that's right." They were they were talking about John Lamro, but that's kind that he were talking about us. We were <laughs> and BJ and Lee. Lee couldn't come down because he can't get across the border. Yeah, yeah. But that was the one thing I was bummed about. I've met so many great people online, and a lot of them couldn't show up for for Rock and Pod this year. I get why, and frankly, I was on the fence about going myself. But uh, yeah, hopefully next year. Hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. Looking Definitely. forward to those episodes. Cool. Absolutely. But we're here for Kansas Talk Part 2. Uh, we did a little kind of impromptu Robbie Steinhardt Memorial a couple weeks ago, and now we're back to do the episode we originally planned, episode two of my Setlist Dreams series, where we're going to do our Dream Kansas Setlist. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So let's get, get right into it. Uh, we did our origin stories last time. So let's just kind of do a quick version of that. Eric, where did you jump into Kansas? <laughs> Uh, I, I was raised with Kansas. I had no choice. It was my dad's music. It, you know, it billowed through the house my entire childhood through the car. I remember driving in the car, singing these records in the backseat with my slightly older brother, Jeff. Uh, just, you know, it just was there my entire life. And I had a period where I kind of rebelled against Kansas once I got into my own music in my late teens. And it took a few years for me to get back into them. But once I did, I remembered every note. You know, I was right back into it, both feet, no questions asked. So, I, you know, I've been lucky to see them in in the majority of their lineups. I, my first concert was Audio Visions ever. My first concert ever was them at the Spectrum in Philly Audio Visions. And I've seen them probably 40 or so times, maybe 50 times. If I had to count them up, uh, most recently, I mean, they're back out now doing shows and I haven't, I don't, I don't have any tickets for this new run, but last time I saw them was at the Beacon in New York City and they did Leftover Return, Point and Overturn in full and then kind of an encore set or whatever. But, uh, and that was with my dad and my brother and my brother's kids. So it was three generations of Kansas fans. So, you know, Kansas has always just been a constant in my life. Nice. I love it. So yeah, mine is more, um, I, I kind of remember hearing them first through classic rock radio and knowing carry on my wayward son and dust in the wind i got into a lot of bands because of my dad a lot of the classic rock bands but kansas was a band he surprisingly 
was not into and now kind of through me getting into them i'm getting him into kansas and in kind of a funny reverse mm-hmm. way like he got me into sticks in the cars i'm getting him into kansas so it's kind of funny uh but yeah for years i just knew them from classic rock radio and then i kind of decided to dive in last year uh during the pandemic i originally had just bought a few albums but then as we got locked down i'm like well i've got free time let's do the whole catalog and i have really fallen in love with this band their history. Uh, they have so many great different albums uh, and I've become a really big fan. I'm a singer. I've become a big fan of Steve Walsh and his voice and the way he performs. Like I yeah. am in awe of his voice a lot of the time when I listen to them. So it's been great. They kind of become one of my, I'd say they're one of my new favorite bands, honestly. And I was hoping to see them last year if things opened up. I was hoping to catch one of those point of no return shows where they did the record in its entirety, but that uh, didn't happen. So hopefully I catch them in the future. I'm sure I will when, you know, as things open up more, but yeah, I've not Mm -hmm. had the pleasure of seeing them live yet, but I'm really into them. Like I keep coming back to them a lot. Like I've taken little breaks, but I keep coming back to the albums. So yeah, they're definitely one of my new favorite bands now. Awesome. Happy to hear that. Yeah. So I want to talk about like, just what makes, why do we love Kansas? Like Eric, why do you love Kansas? Like what keeps you coming back to this band? Uh, you know what it is? It is. It's. Uh, I've never been asked that question. I think it's. It's the talent. It's the songs. It's the messages. It's the. It's the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, um, and, and that applies across. Different parts of their. I'll probably use the word continuum a lot because they've had a lot of different lineups. And, you know, I can make a case where, where this one might be stronger or whatever, but, uh, you know, people probably look at the original lineup, but, you know, I don't ever think there was really a bad lineup. They're just slightly different, you know, and, and the records are different. You know, if you listen to, um, Vinyl Confessions with John Elefante, you know, that's a Kansas record. It's not pointed over turn. That's a Kansas record, but so is Freaks of Nature, but those three records sound completely different. You know, but they all they're all part of this Kansas continuum, you know, and I there's there's different things about those records that I can appreciate, you know, the vinyl confessions, drastic measures to a lesser extent, maybe even audio visions, you know, that's them going a little bit more from the prog to the kind of poppy, you know, trying to get hits, maybe I don't know, um, you know, they were splintering and all that stuff, you know, versus, um, you know, the reunion record somewhere elsewhere was a whole other thing. But Freaks of Nature, you and I were chatting earlier, that's kind of, that's almost a Steve Walsh record, yeah. you know, which is different than, which is different than Left Overture, which is kind of, a, you know, Carrie was shining as a songwriter at that point in time, you know, and even if you look at the new, newer records with Zach Risby, uh, um, it's just a different flavor, you know, and I think they're all good. And, you know, the, the constants there are obviously member wise, Phil and Rich, of course, throughout all of it. But, you know, they're, and they're critical members, but one thing about this band is, uh, you know, the songs are one thing and, and the talent kind of, I don't want to say comes and goes, but Ronnie Platt's a great, he's a great singer, really oh, yeah. good, you know, and he's brought this whole new energy to the band and, you know, it's shown in their business, they up, did an uptick in the venues they play. You know, the years with uh, Steve Morse. I mean, Steve Morse in Kansas was incredible. You know, but the, those two records, it was an interesting time in their career. But 
you know, they, they signed with MCA and, you know, they seem to be inflicted with a couple songwriters, particularly on spirit of things. So they were maybe left to left less to their own devices than during the carry years, let's say, but I love power and I love in a spirit of things. They're just two different slices of the Kansas pie. So I don't know if that answers the question, but. No, that's great. Uh, that, I think you nailed it at the beginning there, especially with like, you know, the songs, the playing, like the, like the thing being greater, like all of it coming together being like greater than the parts on their own. Because I think that's true. Like the flavors change album to album, but there's a level of musicianship. There's a level of songwriting and performance that's there mm-hmm. all through it. It might sound a little different each time. Like, you know, the production on In the Spirit of Things is much more polished and shiny than say an album it's bob like, ezrin yeah that's, like, that's bob ezrin yeah compare that to mask which is you know a lot more raw but right. it's still the same level it's just a different flavor and it sounds great so yeah i think you really know yeah, it well agreed and you touched on something i kind of wanted to touch on i wasn't sure how to bring this up but it's something that kind of came to my attention while i watched the kansas documentary recently we're talking about kind of you know freaks of nature being kind of steve's album because Aside from Cold Gray Morning, which is a Carrie song that was brought to the table at the time, Steve kind of had free reign to write most of that album himself, which in the past, I feel mm-hmm. like he was, he maybe had one or two songs on his own, but Carrie wrote a lot of the songs himself, mm-hmm. especially like on you said, Left Overture. And there's a part in the documentary where Steve is praising Carrie and then kind of tearing himself down, I think of it, where he says like, a lot of my original songs, I feel like I wrote for the wrong reasons which I've, mm. I've never been sure what he meant by that. I don't know if he's embarrassed by his earlier work or, or what, I hope not. But I, I think that's such a strange thing to say because I feel like they were both bringing good stuff to the table. Like, just because like, I've, I've tried to learn more about Steve because, but there's not much out there about him. There's not a lot of interviews and stuff. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering like, if you'd maybe read something or knew, knew where that might've come from. Yeah, the... the uh... I'll give you my thought on that in a second, but the other thing that was interesting in that documentary was a bit revelatory was there's a moment where I think they're standing next to each other and, and Steve even references their songwriting as being competitive in some way. Yeah. Which, you know, as a kid, I was listening to these and there were, you know, there were clearly Carrie songs and clearly Steve songs. We talked about that on the last episode. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, Carrie just went next level there for leftover turn pointed over turn I, no one could have kept up with him at that point in time, but Steve was certainly not a slacker by any oh, measure, no. you know? Um, and interestingly, Kansas in the nineties is interesting because, and I you know, if there's a super Kansas fan listening to this, I get any of this wrong. This is just my understanding. Feel free to correct me. You know, I'm always willing to learn, but you know, the impression I always had with them in the nineties, you know, they did those two MCA records. And like I said, part of that deal you know, it was the reformation with Steve Morse and they, you know, this was the time when all these classic bands, Aerosmith and 38 Special were having hits and, you know, they probably wanted Kansas to have some hits and they did with all I wanted, but Spirit of Things didn't have any hits and probably didn't perform like the label had, had hoped. So they did those two records and then they were done. And then they basically went out on the road again without a deal. You know, and that's when Steve Morris left um, and Ragsdale came in, Greg Robert and stuff. That's when they did those club years, which, you know, if you listen to Pods and Sods, and forgive me if I plug that, but, you know, I did an interview with Rich and he talked about those years where they were touring on the buses and yeah. he hated, it. you know, he hated it because 
you know, just the, just the grueling schedule of it and so forth. But as a Kansas fan, those years were amazing because I would see them in literally like corner bars, um, just tiny places would hold, you know, 500 people. They would be packed. You know, uh, I would get there early, stand right at the stage. And it wasn't like I was in the spectrum sitting on the second level. I was, you know, you know, waist up against the front of the stage. And Steve Walsh was, you know, within arm's reach of me in the early mid nineties, or we were sitting at a bar, me and my dad are sitting at a bar, just enjoying a beer. And there's fucking Kansas playing right there on the other side of the bar. It's the craziest thing ever. You know, I love those years. Um, I, I lost track of the question. I'm sorry. That's all right. It was kind of about the songwriting. I thought it was weird that Steve would kind oh, of put down his own Steve songwriting. Yeah. So Steve in the nineties. So I think around that time, you know, Carrie was out of the picture. I think they were looking for a record deal maybe at that point and they put out a box set and there's a, an odd little one-off song that's in my set list. We'll get there. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think at a point, Steve basically stopped writing for Kansas. Right. Um, and stopped wanting to play new Kansas music. And I think freaks of nature was sort of his last, uh, exercise in writing Kansas music. Cause then he do Glossolalia, Shadow Man and all the other records. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think that was his last writing for Kansas and even so much so that the rest of the band created a, their own band, minus Steve, called Native Window, where they put out a record called Native Window and Native Window would open, quote, open for Kansas playing original new Native Window, which was Kansas minus Steve. So, you know, uh, Ragsdale and Billy Greer and Phil, you know, Rich would get out there and they'd play as Native Window. And then they would be joined as with Steve and then they would play as Kansas on the same tour because Steve didn't want to write or record new Kansas music, which was an interesting time. And that, you know, that lasted through, you know, pretty much through the end of his tenure in Kansas. So no idea that Native Window was even a thing. So yeah. that's going on my shopping list because uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to hear that. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that's and then he did, they did. They did somewhere else where in what 2000 2001 yeah and that was the reunion record with the original lineup and i if i remember correctly those are all carry songs if i remember yeah. correctly yeah, yeah i heard even like the band like kind of separated themselves like steve kind of separated himself from the band as they recorded it. like everybody else worked on it in kansas he worked at it in mm. his home studio studio recording the vocals and just had the music sent to him so there was mm. kind of like a separation there yeah and steve you know when i was doing positive size interviews you know, I had a good number of the members on and, yeah, there aren't a lot of really great, smart, deep dive interviews with the Kansas members. I think I probably did some of the better ones, if not the best ones, if I toot my own horn, just being a crazy fan, right? Um, but I did like a track by track of Freaks of Nature with David Ragsdale. And he talked about Steve's songwriting on that. And I, I desperately chased Steve Walsh for the whole time I was trying to get interviews. I had a good contact and the guy was responsive to me and polite and as one of Steve's friends and he he could have set it up if Steve would have said yes and I just kept trying kept framing it to, well how about if we do this and kept trying to and he just he just never liked to do interviews that's why there's so few of them it just wasn't his thing you know and you see him in that documentary he's you know he's kind of humble and soft-spoken he's not elaborative or whatever he's pretty you know um so uh, you know I, I that's I wish I had gotten along for an interview with Steve Walsh yeah, but alas, 
Steve, if you're out there listening, uh, either of us <laughs> will talk to you, please. And if you're li- and if you're listening, thank you. By the way. <laughs> here, here, yeah, yeah. Also, that props on the David Ragsdale episode. Actually, when I listened to Freaks of Nature a couple weeks ago, the first time I played the album, and I knew you had that episode, so I played the album and I listened to the interview. So I oh, nice. little, thank I you. did a little back to back. It was great. That's cool. Thank you. You're very welcome. So let's get into let's get into the set lists uh, before we like do the track by track of the set lists. Did you frame yours in a particular way? Like, did you select a specific lineup or tour to play this set list you assembled? I did, um, and I'm curious to hear how you did yours. Uh, I picked um, lineup wise. I kind of recently came to the conclusion that the Vice Boys drum lineup is my favorite lineup with Billy Greer mm. and Robbie Back. And Steve's voice at that point, you know, Steve's voice started to sound a little bit haggard the older he got, but it still totally worked for me. I can completely see how it would work for somebody, especially compared to like the young, pure Dust in the Wind vocals and things like that. But I liked him when he, you know, he had to compensate a little bit and his voice had a little bit more character than purity, you know, and that for me, that's that's the lineup I went with that DVD lineup, which is, you know, Phil Rich, Steve uh ragsdale or uh, excuse me robbie and uh billy greer i'm missing anybody no i think i think yeah. you nailed it um, yeah. that's a good lineup uh and i i agree with you on steve's voice it, i think his voice has an interesting trajectory because it gets more yeah. ragged as the years go on in my opinion but it seems like he still had the range like he could hit the high notes but he just couldn't sustain them quite as well yeah. it was it was like like you know your your, your vocal cords are not that big and you're basically forcing air through them to vibrate. So it's, they can still make the sound, the, the, but they just can't make it as long or as extended. But he, he's good at finding ways to like, he, I've never heard him hit a bump note. I've never heard, listened to one and just gone, oh, that hurts. But right. yeah, it definitely changed over the years. When I watched those later videos of him in Kansas, like I can, he's, take, he's taking grace notes or maybe going down an octave at times. So yeah, it changed, but I, I will encourage people check out his last solo album, Black Butterfly. He gets a little help on that album, but he still sounds really good. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the lineup I chose is I did a bit of fantasy in my lineup. I was reading about <laughs> about the band, and I read that in the early '90s there was a quasi reunion tour in Europe mm-hmm. where Carrie came back, and so did Dave, and. And basically it was the classic lineup sans Robbie Steinhardt. So my twist on it is Robbie comes back and they do a U.S. tour. Right on. Just to kind of like have like, I feel like everybody's still kind of firing on all c- cylinders at that point. Not that d- the device drum voice lineup isn't firing at all c- cylinders, but man, like Steve could still do some like crazy stuff in the early 90s. Like even on that, I just got live at the Whiskey recently, which is an interesting live album. Like even on that one where he's a little ragged at times he's still hitting some notes where i'm just like jesus how is he doing that so yeah, yeah. crazy yeah so that's- yeah i like that record it's hard to find but uh some people kind of slam that record his look and stuff is a little bit goofy but you know you're not looking to kansas for uh fashion oh like like on the video yeah Okay, yeah. like I, I, I was like, I need to watch that whole concert. I've watched a little bit of it on YouTube, and yeah, it's a, it, it's it's the early '90s. You kind you kind of view I view fashion <laughs> at that time, you know, through like the lens of like it was the time. Like I I watch like '90s footage of Rob Halford, where he looks like a 
like a rapper and he's fronting a metal band. I'm just like, yeah, it was the time. It, it was that it doesn't affect the music. It was just the time. I, I love Steve Walsh beyond words, but he did look like a strung out Pauly Shore on that show. Oh yeah, he is sweating. <laughs> he, 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 like not good. Yeah, that, yeah, something was. Uh, but I love that. I love that record. I really love that record. So anyway, yeah, that's yeah. a good lineup. Like you're, so you have, uh, you have Robbie. So you basically have the original lineup plus Steve Morris is what you're saying. Yep, yep. Just kind of super Kansas. Awesome, awesome. Yep. Yeah, right. that, that's one thing that's one thing I thought about um, because my lineup just has rich on guitar and in recent years although Zach has left the band you know when I saw him at the beacon there were moments where they had three guitars it would be you know rich Zach and then Ragsdale on some songs which just made it sound so full and just so incredible and Zach was a brilliant player that you know, Rich Williams spent a lot of years playing these songs by himself. So he would, you know, abbreviate his parts or figure out what to play one line or the other. Now that he had Zach Rizvi, you know, it really filled it out. And Zach was a super fan. So he he knew all these parts and he could, you know, it's it sounded like the original two guitar sounds, uh, you know, back when Kerry would play. So I did think about that, but I still stuck with my DVD lineup. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and you can really hear that lineup, by the way. If you haven't checked out Point of No Return live and more yet that came out this year, they sound great on that. That is a fantastic live record. Awesome. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get right into it. We have a uh, 15-song main set, three-song encore. What are you opening with, Eric? Uh, let's see. I'm going with, and I think it's because that Whiskey record opens with the intro the Howling at the Moon. Mm. I just think that's such a cool opening when it, you know, ow, 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 and it ends with that. And then they would go into whatever the first, the proper first full song would be. So I'm going with just that intro of Howling at the Moon. I just love that as a good opener for me. That's super cool. Yeah. I, I got that. I went, when I got the live of the whiskey CD a couple of weeks ago and I popped it in, I was like, what are they going to do here? Like it just says Howling at the Moon. And when they started like, Oh, it's a piece of Magnum Opus. Okay. This is right. great. And then it goes right into Paradox. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that one-two kind of punch of it. My first 
my first four songs are very punchy like that. That's a strong opening. What's your What's your first song? Uh, I'm opening with I'm reaching back to the first album. I'm gonna go with a fast and energetic Balexis. firing and all cylinders on that one right away you get everybody gets a chance to show off in that song right away steve on the organ uh robbie on the on the violin dave on the bass phil on the drums everybody is just firing and on all cylinders on that song and steve does these crazy high vocals like right near the end that just make the hairs on my arm stand up so it's kind of the perfect way i think to get everybody moving everybody gets to flex their muscles and right away you know what type of show you're in for you know you're in for a hard rocking punchy kansas show right on great opener it starts off that it's just right into it no waste of time just right into it good opener just a hard punch to the face <laughs> love it love it all right what, what's, what, what are we coming out of hall at the moon into so my second song and again this is the fantasy set list and i i'll kind of say this as we go i picked i picked songs that i i I really want to hear them play kind of in this sequence with this lineup and so forth, just my ideal set list. But having seen them, I kind of stuck with some staples. Like there's some songs I couldn't get away from, which makes me think generally I'm, I've been happy with their set lists through the years, you know, other than, you know, if you listen to my Kansas episodes, I ask each member to play another song off of audio visions beside hold on. I keep pleading with each of them in all those interviews uh, so I do have some of that coming up, but you are campaigning. That, you are campaigning strong for no one together. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Spoiler alert: that might be in my set list. Um, <laughs> but my second song, "Howling at the Moon," into "I Can't," "I Can Fly." <laughs>
freak of nature, just like, you know, a raucous, you know, rocking. And I, I love the Steve songs. I love the Steve songs with the interesting changes. And this one, those first four songs on Freaks are, I can listen to those four on repeat over and over and over again. And I think they played this on that 95 tour. There's, you know, they, there's a bunch of clips about of them playing this out there. So go check out, I can, I can fly, but yeah, howling at the moon and I can fly. That's incredible. I love that song. Didn't make my set list, but when I heard freaks of nature, I was like, that was one of the standout songs for me. That's a great pick. And uh, nice. I was kind of, I've kind of been living in that era like today. Cause uh, at lunch, when, when, I, when my food got here, I sat down and I just looked up live Kansas on YouTube and I found, I guess it's a professionally shot footage from like the Freaks of Nature era. It's kind of VHS like quality. Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. It was, like was like an hour hour long show from Wisconsin, like Racine, Wisconsin, 95. Yep, and it's got, right. it's got, yeah, it's got Desperate Times. It's got another song I might have in my list on there. And I think they did, they might've done Under the Knife even on that show. Yep. Yeah, and they put a lot of songs from that on on that tour. It was pretty cool. I saw one that tour with Survivor. I saw oh. Stick Survivor in Kansas one day. I need a time machine. I'm jealous for you. Yeah, I need a time <laughs> machine really badly. <laughs> I need a time machine so badly. Uh, curse being born in 1993. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, good choice though. Love it. So I'm gonna go. I'm going to go for a more of a straightforward kind of like moving away from the prog for a minute. I'm going to go from audio visions, relentless. straightforward rocker uh to me this song awesome. is super underappreciated uh yeah. i'm surprised it's not like a set list mainstay because it's so catchy and like you know it's just a, i feel like it's an easy song for everybody to get in get into like if someone's kind of mm -hmm. put off by the longer songs you could play them this song and you're like oh okay mm -hmm. this is fine like i'm not sure it's even been played live like it's such a cool song that i think i'd love to see the band kind of like breathe some new life into i think they did do it on that tour uh, don't quote me on that, but my my childhood memory is that they did do it on that tour. I could be wrong. But yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, that might also be on my list. Interesting. So, yeah. Right. My third song is is your first song. I have Alexis as number three. And for all the same reasons that you described, it's just a punch. It's just a boom. And I was also kind of trying to mix up errors a little bit. So Howling at the Moon is from Left Overture. I Can Fly. 
it's 1995 now, but it's kind of more modern Kansas, if you will, right? Middle years. Yeah. And then Alexis back to the beginning. So I was kind of jumping over, going back and forth a little bit. Uh, so my third song is Alexis. Nice. I, you know, I, I, have a fu- I have a funny Alexis story. Not really funny, uh, but um, one, one of the many times I saw Kansas was in, was in uh, Cooper River Park in like, uh, che- it's not Cherry Hill, but it's kind of near where Craig lives now in, in uh, Collingswood, New Jersey. And they did like an open outdoor free theater thing. And this would have been 90, 96, 95, somewhere in there. And I drug a friend of mine to go with me and she only knows Kansas through me, but she appreciates all kinds of music and gets into it and so forth. We're sitting there watching them and I forget what the openers opener was, but song two or three was Alexis and I just fucking lost my mind. And I looked at her and I was like, and this is what I said. I was like, fucking Alexis. And to this day, she still, she still kind of mocks my enthusiasm. Fucking Alexis. So yeah, Alexis is a, is a classic. I love it. Like that's the kind of enthusiasm I love going to rock shows. Like when you have that moment, like, holy shit, they're pulling this song out of all songs. <laughs> right. Like, right. That's incredible. And I got to give you props because your lineup, the, the device drum voice lineup sounds oh. uh, great playing that song. It's on the album too. Yeah. That's my favorite version of that song is on that, that live version. Nice. Love it. Wonderful choice. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to the point of no return with a with a song called Sparks of the Temple. Steinhardt tribute. Uh, this is one of my favorite Kansas songs. It's another kind of straight ahead rocker. I love like the interplay between Robbie and Steve vocally. And mm-hmm. I love, I've seen a video at the end where like Steve just kind of like jumps from the keyboards and just starts pounding the bongos. It's awesome. I love <laughs> it. And it's just this kind of like great, cynical, angry song with a great guitar solo from Rich. Yeah, this song just, it, it ticks all the boxes for me. It's one of my favorite Kansas songs and it's something I go to frequently and I'd love to hear it played live if I ever get to see them. That's awesome. Yeah, good pick. Uh, good pick. They they do bring the bongos up fairly. They've done it in recent years too. And I think it's, uh, it tends to be, I want to say Eric Holmquist, who's like Phil's drum tech, puts on like a wig with dreads and he comes out and plays the bongos for, <laughs> I think like bringing it back or something like that. So they, they've had bongos in recent years. They, you know, they get a little wacky sometimes lately, which is fun. 
Nice. So yeah, that's a good number four. I like the way you said we're going to the point of no return because that is my four song is point of no return. You know what? It's too late to turn back now. We've reached the point of no return. And this was this was one of my challenges. Like I, I didn't want to just go with like quote the hits, but then I'm thinking I can't have a Kansas set list without there's two or three songs in there that I can't not have. Right? I would, you know, even though I'm kind of over them, I you know I want to hear Point of No Return, especially you know those four Howling at the Moon, that intro I can fly, just rock and Alexis ripping your face off, and then Point of No Return. And then at the end of that is when Robbie says, good evening and welcome to Kansas. That's, he says it after the fourth song on my set, which is Point of No Return. Nice. I, lo- I love it. Yeah, that, that, I struggle with that too. So my thing is always, I build it with the thought that this is a set list that probably isn't going to happen. And I try, I try to leave out songs that I'm likely going to see, but I can also can't blame you for like putting that in there because it is, you know, I can't say I'm really sick of any Kansas song yet. Maybe I'm a, I've got a little carry on my wayward son burnout because of classic rock radio, but yeah. man, that song it's, it's classic. I love it. Every time it comes on, I love the violin stabs and it's just catchy. And I love that bridge again, Steve just kind of going for those insanely like high notes. He's got a really, I think Steve has an R and B type of voice in my opinion, which is yeah. an interesting thing to say, but for a rock singer, but it's really cool. So yeah, I can't fault you for picking that one. Good choice. Cool. Yeah, he sings with soul. I I have a point of no return story from one of the club shows I saw. Oh, yeah? I saw him at a place. I saw him at two different clubs. One was called Pennant East and one was called Pennant West, both in New Jersey. And I went I went to see them at Pennant East. And this was the one where I was right at the stage that I just described. That only ever happened once where I got there super early. I drug my friend Kyle, who was not a Kansas fan, but he was polite enough to come with me and stand there early and whatever. <laughs> so I got the I got the I got the spot right front front and center. No one was in front of me, and this was this was basically that whiskey set, you know, where they opened Howling at the Moon. It was that yeah. era. Greg Robert was with them. That's that second keyboard player, and the power went out in the club like pitch black. Ooh. They were they were about a third of the way through Point of No Return, and the power just went out. And, you know, this packed room was just standing there in the, in the darkness, you know, the exit signs were lit or whatever, but, you know, there was no power on the stage, no power in the house, nothing. And it took maybe, I don't know, let's say five minutes or something for them to figure it out, get it resolved. Lights came back on, you know, here's Kansas. 
kind of enough time had lapsed where I think I was thinking, well, they'll probably just go to the next song now. But they restarted Point of No Return. I was like, these fucking guys are the best. I love it. Because <laughs> they didn't get to finish the song. So I'm like, well, I guess we'll start Point of No Return again. So they just they started over again, which is really great. You have to reach the point of no return in a Kansas set. You can't, you can't not. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I love it. Awesome. So my number four, uh, I'm going to give a lot of love to the In the Spirit of Things album tonight. I really like that record. So the, my first song cool. from that album tonight is uh, Ghost. There's a tombstone in a snowy field Close by The epitaph's been weather blown away. There's a bell tower where petitions peeled. It's been half torn down. But it must have softened every soul that came to pray. There's a schoolhouse full of broken glass and wounded walls. The rusty swings like derelicts sleeping in the weeds. There's a picture graduation class. Staring down deserted halls The hope of 44 is what it reads uh, I love the vibe of this song. I love Steve's vocal performance. It gives me chills, especially when he hits that last high note right before they've come back home to dream those dreams again. It's just insane it's really good at evoking like the nostalgia and memories it's talking about you feel like you're like walking through someone's memories and maybe it's black and white and it's like some it's like a warm breeze coming at you it's really cool mm. and then the middle part it's interesting to me that this album was produced by bob ezrin uh i know you're not a big pink floyd fan but are you familiar with uh, the thin ice the song thin ice mm, i don't think so okay it's on the wall and there's a part in the song like where like it goes from being this piano ballad to this like big epic rock thing and it's very similar to like that middle section where the guitar comes in in this song and i'm like huh i wonder if bob if, i wonder if bob have it had anything to do with that i know he's got a writing credit but i'm like that's awfully similar to the thin ice mm -hmm. yeah maybe maybe or at least dynamically he knew it works then so let's do yeah. it here now again man yeah that's interesting that you know and that's that's not a, a, a Balexis style rocker. That's a little bit more of a mellower, mellower, you know, you're, 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 you're settling in on your fifth song. Uh, fourth, but fourth I, song. I, I've kind of got spoiler alert. There's kind of an arch. There's, there's an arch. There's an arc going here with these, these in the spirit of, of things songs. Okay, you'll, cool. You'll, 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 you'll see it, it, It's all going to tie together. Awesome. Cool. Love it. Uh, so my fifth, so is, is, 
at the end of Ghost, is that when he says good evening and welcome to Kansas? At what point did they say that in your, in your I'm, I'm gonna say that yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I didn't even think about that. Let's do it at the end of ghosts. All right, cool. Um, that's kind of like a milestone in the Kansas set list. Uh, so my fifth song is Journey from Mary Brown. Again, just kind of everything I said about Alexis again here with this, you know, they played this through the years. There's a bunch of times that they didn't play it in the 90s, but they brought it back later in the 90s. But uh, this is one of those songs that I, if I walked away from a Kansas show, I'd be disappointed if they did not play it. I love it every time. I love the DVD. That's my favorite performance of it is from the DVD lineup. So Journey from Mary Brown. I love that song. There's a lot of those, like, especially on those, like, first, like, I'd say three Kansas albums, there's a lot of these, like, really intense, epic style songs. Mm. That's another one of them. Yeah, that's a, you can't go wrong with that song. Great choice. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm, I'm going to go for my number five. We're going to kick the energy back up with How My Soul Cries Out for You. For you. How do they do the middle section live when you see them? So in, <laughs> in my in my in my mind, um, I'm gonna kind of say they they pulled some trickery with a sampler 
and they just pushed a button and that part played and they're all listening uh-huh. and they're counting and there's some like like there's some like lights going on on stage like some maybe like flashes and bangs when like the, oh, nice. like the beer bottle hits like there's like a, like there's like a flash or something that goes off. That that's how I imagine it. I imagine it that's now. Cool. Like if they could, there would be video screens, but I don't think they had that kind of budget in the '90s. Like you could do, have like a whole little like animation strip play for that part. Yeah, and then it just comes in with the spot on Phil doing that drum coming back in with that big drum kind of. It's almost a solo. His big drum solo coming back in after that. That's a note I have. Phil takes a minute to flex a bit in that middle section not not a full-on drum solo but he definitely plays longer than what's on the record he definitely goes off of it yeah just fired up the prog on this one i think the audience is ready for that and then yeah steve and robbie again with their like back and forth vocally i tried to get you on the phone no one answered no one answered (laughs) so good yeah so good haven't played this since monolith yeah uh... I no monolith songs ended up on my set list, and I feel guilty about that. But oh wow! It just, just, it just didn't shake out that way. But that was one I I kind of anticipated you were going to pick that one. I know that's one of your favorites, so yeah. I love that you have it on there. Uh, my number six uh, again. This is one of the staples. It's "Born on Wings of Steel." can't not see a Kansas show without them doing the song and I enjoyed when they would do the Icarus 2 into this and so forth that was cool but you know I did I kind of got tired of that after a while I'm going to be completely honest I like that song but you know this is the one Born on Wings of Steel and it's the violin lead it's the vocals it's everything about it that melody and you know this is one of the standout songs for Mask for me so uh, Born on Wings of Steel was my number six so my number six is Born of Wings of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> cool. yeah, 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 I, I agree with everything you said. This is what, like a live stable for a reason. It's just another chance for the band to like flex their playing muscles, especially in that solo section in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love the lyricism. I mean, the story's self-explanatory, but it's so cool. Say, you know, sail on, sail on. I love that part. It's a great song. Yeah. Uh, it keeps the, that big energy from the last song going, I think, but it also lets the band breathe a little bit because it's not quite as, you know, heavy as How My Soul Cries Out For You, but it's still in a similar vein, I think. 
Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, good. Awesome. Uh, my number seven is uh, is a song from Audiovisions. The first song, first sign, if I remember, is Relentless, yep. which we just about. So that made my set list as well. And yeah, all the same reasons you said, just the energy of it. Like, again, in my campaigning for them to play Audiovision songs, this seems like a pretty low-hanging fruit. This seems like one that they could probably sort out you know it's not it's not a no one together it doesn't have the you know a ton of crazy production and detours and whatever it's a pretty straightforward rocker i think yeah i i agree it's like it's not like a like curtain of iron or no one together i think would be the challenging songs mm -hmm. to pull mm -hmm. off on that album yeah. so yeah okay sorry and i'm also i'm also building a little bit of so my five six and seven are like chronologically journey from era brown born away is still relentless so I kind of build like these arcs of time, like I'm trying to represent the entire catalog with some sequence in there. And, you know, some of the songs are, are literary in nature, big, broad, sweeping journey from Mary Abraham tells a good story. But then you have Relentless, which is just kind of a straight ahead rocker. You know, it doesn't have uh, necessarily a deep uh, meaning or a big story like Alexis or whatever. So yeah. kind of mixing it up lyrically as well. I got to ask you, I'm just curious, quick aside, did you put all these in a playlist like I did and listen to them in order? <laughs> I did not, but I, in my head, I was thinking, how does this song end? How does the next one begin? Yeah. You know, this one's up, this one's down. Um, you know, I, I probably should have done what you just said. That's what you did? Yeah, I put them all in a playlist and I've been playing them like these, like these last couple of weeks. And then I'm always talking to Mark like saying tomorrow, like, oh, maybe I got to tweak it and switch this song out. And she, she's like, again, I'm like, yep, going to the office to switch out the song on the iPod <laughs> again. Because I, I would, That's I would cool. like pull out one song in my iTunes and put another one in the, in the playlist. Cause I've got this, like, I've got this old ass iPod that's like expanded. It's got like 30,000 songs on it, but you mm -hmm. can't build your own playlist within the iPod. You have to upload them from your iTunes. So I'd like, I'd be listening to it like, nah, that's not working. Go back to the office, pull up iTunes and switch out a song. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I, was, I was super in it. Uh, my number seven, uh, another one from Monolith. Uh, Angels have fallen. love this song i love robbie's voice on the verses especially that first one it's kind of like i imagine the stage is dark and there's just a singular light on him angels have fallen fallen from heaven fallen from heaven oh yeah. so good <laughs> yeah it's and then steve comes in like he's fighting off demons like you're living forever but i'm dying so slow like like it's so high and shrill and 
you mentioned like not having anything from monolith it's funny i find that record at times challenging like it's it's dense in a way it's hard to get your head around the whole thing but there's certain mm. songs on that record that really stick with me i don't i don't dislike the album i just think it's dense um mm. and i can't totally wrap my head around the lyrics to this one but i think the basic message is supposed to be don't look for the angels you have to be the angels in the, in the world because mm. angels have fallen they've all gone away it's you that must find them by living each day i love that line it's so cool that is great yeah it's a goosebump line I, w- I will say from monolith generally speaking the only songs i've heard them do in the last what 30 years would be on the other side mm-hmm. and people of the south wind uh, uh with ronnie platt they do reason to be now yep but other than that, uh, I haven't heard him do anything for Monolith. Yeah, I want, uh, it's, it's an interesting album. Like that album like was based on like Carrie Livgren was like reading some book about a different type of religion. And then on tour, he converted to Christianity. So I think he kind of wanted to leave that album alone for some reason. Mm. And when they first went out on tour for the album, they were playing the whole thing and it wasn't getting good reception. They kind of like started swapping songs out for old songs. So right. I don't know, it's kind of like the... It's the Black Sheep album, in my in my opinion, in the catalog, because mm-hmm. I think, like, I think you got to really like dive in to wrap your head around that one. I think it takes some time to let it sit with you before the songs kind of get their hooks in you. That was the first new Kansas album that was released when I was aware that albums were being released. Oh yeah. So by that point, by that point, I would have been eight, right? So all the other stuff was just kind of records that were in the house. But then suddenly this was the new Kansas record, Monolith. That was the first new one I remember being, you know. And I also remember, uh, and I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share these weird-ass, quirky little Kansas memories of my youth. Oh, I love There was my, like I said, I have an older brother who was on that six-pack of Kansas. He's close to two years older than me, just shy of two years older. And he, uh, we were in JCPenney's one day. And they had a Kansas monolith t-shirt for sale and it was like in his size and he got it. And I just remember being jealous of that as a kid. I was like eight year old, like how this motherfucker get the monolith shirt. On <laughs> but they only had one or whatever. And it was like the coolest shirt. My old, my older brother had the coolest Kansas monolith shirt, but it's funny that just thinking back, you know, that's, that's how big Kansas was that they had shirts on sale, just on the floor in the boys section at JC Penny. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even know, like, you know, rock shirts, like, in, in a store like JCPenney were a thing even then. Like, I thought that was kind of a newer, like, they would have been, they, they wouldn't have been, like, imprinted. It was, like, those decal ones, like, the hot press decal yeah. on a shirt, you know? Okay. That's yeah. still really cool. I, I have a quick monolith story. At least I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny. So, like I mentioned it earlier, my dad is kind of getting into Kansas through me right now, and I, he has an iPod, too, that's, like, mine. So, when I get before I gave it to him, I loaded a bunch of Kansas albums on there for him. And one of his favorite songs is People of the South Wind. And yeah. he messages me one day. I'm like, he goes, so I'm starting into Kansas. I'm like, good. What are you, what are you starting with? Leftover, sure, point of no return. He goes, monolith. I'm like, you sure you want to start with that one? That one might take some time. He, he goes, I want to hear People of the South Wind. I'm like, okay, let me know what you think. And then he gets back to me. He goes, yeah, this one's going to take some time. <laughs> that's all so, that's so, that's craig's that's my co-host craig's favorite kansas song at least his favorite one to mock but i think he legit likes it because it's kind of it's kind of disco right it's bouncy. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah that keyboard riff do 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 yeah it, it hops around like <laughs> i can i can see i can imagine steve walsh doing the handstand during that song played live 
Love it. Uh, so you're going to like my number eight pick, given your love for Spirit of Things. Can you guess what my number eight is? I'm going to guess uh, for you, House on Fire. Uh, Preacher. all got to come to the light together and again this is probably me cheating using the dvd lineup but i'm bringing the choir with me nice. i'm open the curtains and i have the choir with me and the the thing i like about that particular version is you get to hear robbie play on that song where he wouldn't have played on the record so that's real fun uh but yeah the preacher i love the i love rainmaker and preacher on spirit of things in particular so like i could go either way on those songs um but i love house on fire and you know there's a note he hits in house on fire that's just insane um, oh my god yeah like a house on fire like he hits this cr- i can't even i couldn't even pretend to <laughs> yeah. get anywhere near it yeah so but yeah my number eight is uh preacher showing a little bit of love to uh spirit of things it's a great record good choice this was in my uh this is in my list of honorable mentions i have later it was in an earlier iteration of my set list but i realized like I was like, fuck, I've got so many songs from the spirit of things in here. I maybe need to make this a little more diverse. <laughs> so I ended up giving that one the axe, unfortunately, but I do love that song. Uh, I think it's great. And like you said, like it's great to hear Robbie play it in, on it in that lineup. Uh, we all got to come to the light together. Such a cool, cool song. I always thought that was interesting. Like that was the song they revived uh, in like, mm-hmm, 2003. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was kind of surprised that would be the one like of all the songs on the album. Like not that it's a bad song, just like I kind of, there's a song that I'll, I'll talk about later that I always thought would be a set list table for them. And it's just not. So, yeah, I think they, if I'm not mistaken, there was a King Biscuit flower hour from spirit of things tour and it was recorded in Philly. And this was during that period where I was not actively in the Kansas. So I didn't go, but it was a radio broadcast King Biscuit flower. Hour, and I think the preacher is on there with Steve Morse. Nice. I am. I am actually currently looking for a copy of that. So Anybody that's got an extra slide dog broadcast at gmail.com, maybe we can work something out. They they re-released it under some other kind of like, you know, those legacy yeah. titles. They yeah, they repackage it. So you might be able to find the cheaper version. Yeah. Just Dust for in look, the wind. It's maybe. Dust in, yeah, Dust in the Wind Live, I think is what it's called. Yeah. So just look for like a live record. It's kind of innocuous, but has the preacher on it. That's probably that King Biscuit Flower Hour show. Okay. Yeah, I would I would love to hear that because I, I love that era so much and I wish there was 
I wish there was more of of like that, like stuff from that era. But they kind of got like the plug pulled on them financially for that record. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's kind. It's that's an album I feel like if there's a Kansas fan out there and you haven't heard that, check it out. It's a little different, but the spirit is really there. Like the the spirit of classic Kansas is really in that album. So check it out. Yeah, agreed. All right, so I'm gonna go all the way, the way back to the first album again with my number eight. Uh, another workout for the band, Can I Tell You? song is I, I thought about opening the show with this one but i i had to do Alexis because it's just a little heavier uh i love right. this song it's another like you know band workout i love robbie's violin playing to me it's the prequel to down the road uh and i mm. i swear like on the studio version i don't know how you pull it off live there's a backwards guitar solo on this song somehow it's at about 238 if you're listening uh on the song i swear there's a backwards guitar solo but it's a really cool song and it's got a really simple set of lyrics that I feel like are really relevant right now. And that is, if you expect the freedom you say is yours, show that you deserve it, help us to preserve it, or being free will just be words and nothing more. So I'll just say, wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Wear a mask and get yeah, mask. There you go. There you go. I often think those lyrics are, are in the context of the Vietnam War. I, I can't verify that, but I always, that's where my mind goes when they wrote that in whatever, 70 three or something yeah that's an old one <laughs> yeah uh yeah good one and yeah that would have been a good opener too just you know at any point in time because that was their first single you know that that would have been a great opener for sure but i like that you have alexis because it is a little more rock yeah totally so my number nine <sighs> i'm kind of torn <laughs> i'm gonna feel i'm gonna feel bad not this is where my so the preacher is just so high energy so right yep. we go to church and then and then i'm going to bring it down for the next one right and usually there's a real big drop off when they play some big rocker and then acoustic intro to dust in the wind right that's usually how they build their sets yep uh, so i kind of had dust in the wind here but i could probably be all right seeing kansas without hearing dust in the wind so i'm going to go with hope once again instead mm. from freaks of nature
because I think that song is criminally underrecognized, and I think it's it's just brilliant. It's just a great song, a great message. Uh, catch a glimpse of what what would could and should have been. Uh, pictures and memories and hope once again. It's just a great song. I get goosebumps just even thinking of the lyrics now. So my number nine is kind of a buried song on Freaks of Nature, Hope Once Again. That's a great, great pick. That's a, that's that's not the closer, is it? No, that's like maybe the, that's the third song. Okay. okay so I, yeah. can, I can fly, then Desperate Times, then Hope Once Again. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, it's not coming to me right at the moment, but I do remember liking that song because the ballad that sticks out to me on that album is uh, The Closer, uh, where he's talking about what home should be. Like that's Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that song is great. But yeah, good choice, good choice. I, I, Freaks of Nature is just now I need to spend more time with. And yeah, I yeah. absolutely love, love it. Uh, Dust in the Wind, honestly, was hard for me to leave off because I don't have burnout for that song and I love it, but I, I left it off. I have a substitution for it a little later on in the set so my my number nine uh we're gonna go to the power album uh for some fun aor and the intro to this is the same intro steve did on the power tour and that is tomb 19 Telling the story about like the people that went on this like archaeological ex- exhibition and finding the the fourteen beads of jade, and then going the story's all bullshit. We just made it up <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> end of the story. It's like, but I love this song, man. It's just unspeakably fun and catchy. Uh, Steve's voice soars on it. I love the cool eighty synth. It's like a rock and roll Indiana Jones story. I love this song, Tomb Nineteen. That's that's awesome. Tomb Nineteen was sacred a thousand years or more. Yep. So good. Oh, good pick, man. I love it. Yep. Love it. Good stuff. So I'm on to number 10. Is that right? Yep. Uh, speaking of power, again, this is where my set is chilling out a little bit. Hope once again, I'm going to have another ballad here. We're going to slow jam a little bit uh, off of power. Can't cry anymore.
This was this was a I don't know if it was the proper single. There's a music video with Richard Belzer that's a little bit quirky, uh, but this should have been a hit, man. That vocal, that vocal's insane. Like you can hold that up against you know, Thirty Eight Special or White Snake or anybody that was having like power ballad hits at that time. Yeah, this 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 is second to none of those in my opinion. This should have been a hit. I, I and all I wanted was a hit. And I don't know why this wasn't. I think Power was the next single, All I Wanted, and then this the single Power, and then maybe this. But I don't know that this got a proper like radio push or release or anything. But yeah, Can't Cry Anymore is just an awesome, awesome song. And you know, you talked about him as a soul singer, or you said R and B, but he, he has soul. Yeah, he that's that's part of what he brings, and that's he he bends notes and he you know he feels he emotes when he sings, uh, even in the proggy stuff. But you know, on something like this, it's he's singing the power ballad style, but he has all of the soul roots, and you know, it just all marries on "Can't Cry Anymore." And I, he, they may have done it on the power tour. I think there might be some bootlegs from that era, from like Great Adventure. They played with Six Flags or something, but mm. I think I might have one of those on a cassette somewhere. But they didn't ever really properly. This song didn't get its due, in my opinion, and I would I would love to hear them perform this on stage and him sing it, whatever the state of his voice, he would still pour himself into it. So, uh, can't cry anymore is my number ten. I love this song. It was it's also on my honorable mentions list. I, yeah, this song really like hit me this time when I was like listening to Power, getting ready for this. That vocal just yeah chills. And you said something else like I wanted to bring up. Steve is really good at like getting inside the skin of a song and just living in it and emoting it and making you believe that what he's saying he's lived through, he's lived through. Like I believe he's really had his heart broken when he when he sings that song. Like it comes through very sincerely. So yeah, the fact yeah. that like you know you had Foreigner, you had Journey, you had yeah. White Snake and Thirty Eight Special. Like this should have been like you know what kind of what Second Chance was to Thirty Eight Special that like. Exactly. Second wind yep. ballad hit they had. So yeah, it's amazing to me that like this wasn't a hit because like I listened to it. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I like this better than like some of the journey ballads that came out around that time. Like it's just so good. And all I wanted was a big hit for them. It was like a top 20 hit. It, yeah. It may have been yeah. one of their biggest two or three hits ever. It was a top 20. I remember MTV, the video was in heavy rotations, Kansas in 1986, 87 in heavy rotation. It's amazing. So it seemed they were primed for this to be a hit, but I don't know why it, it didn't didn't deliver. I don't understand it. It still is a head scratcher for me. Yeah, that song. And I think I want to say the video from In the Spirit of Things was Stand Beside Me. Like those could have mm -hmm. been like that. That's another one where I'm just like, really, that wasn't a hit. Like that yeah. song and that performance didn't take off like it, it like crazy, like all I wanted did. So it's it's so strange to me how these things shake out sometimes and i think there's there's 
I think there's key changes at the end of Can't Cry Anymore, right? Like it steps up, like he goes up yep. a half step. Yeah. And then there's another one. I think there's maybe one or two where how how much higher can this motherfucker sing? And then he and then there's another step or whatever. It's so it's so good. Yep. Steve, one of the best for sure. <laughs> All right. We're gonna go back to the spirit of things, speaking of that record, and we're gonna do one big sky. track of the night from this album it's a really unique sounding song on the album it's almost like in early proto-industrial rock but i think live mm-hmm. the band makes it a little more raw um i think like the stage goes blue because you know under one big sky i think that's kind of the lighting cue you do yeah. you do there cool. and uh to me lyrically it's it's a good message you know like you know we're all in this together type of song you know under one big sky and uh it's just such a huge sounding song. Like I feel like live, it could be a little more raw. It could be a little more in your face. And it kind of carries like the, the thin storyline that's in, in the spirit of things forward a bit. You know, it's kind of reminding you that all these stories you're hearing are taking place in the same kind of universe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love this song and I thought it would be a good little change of pace in the set list. Awesome. They did do that. That's also in that King Biscuit Flower Hour from that time. Oh, nice. Too, yeah. Um, I do have a funny uh, recent Spirit of Things memory, right? So talking about Spirit of Things, there's uh, in Rainmaker, he says, from the Flint Hills, the land was cracked and dry, right? Uh, I was recently driving and I had the opportunity to drive through Kansas. I was driving across country and there's one road that basically goes east to west back and forth, right? It's just one straight flat road, long, long drive. And when I entered on the eastern border, I started playing the Kansas discography and to see how far I would get by the time I reached the western border and vice versa. Um, But anyway, one of the signs I saw as I was driving was Flint Hills. And uh, 
and oh. I drove by and I saw a sign and it was like on the side of like it wasn't like a street sign like a green with the white lettering it was like a big like a placard on the side of a hill like welcome to Flint Hills kind of thing and uh but I was doing whatever 70 80 and by the time it kind of registered oh that was Flint Hills where, where that? oh from Rainmaker like it was I was already too far <laughs> gone to turn around on a one-lane road so on the way back I tried to remember where it was and I pulled over and I took like a selfie with me and Flint Hills in the background the sign and wrote that like in the Kansas group because I was because I'm a freaking nerd that's incredible <laughs> I love it I would yeah that's totally something I would do man that's great I love it <laughs> So, uh, so my number 11, um, uh, kind of in the same era. So I mentioned, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning that they did those two MCA records and then they suddenly were without a deal and they put out a box set and there's an odd song on the Kansas box set that came out in maybe, I don't know, 93 or somewhere thereabouts. It's called Wheels. it's a steve song i don't know who the lineup is it's just one of those one-off things and my suspicion is that it was kind of recorded as a demo looking for a new deal after the mca thing fell through and then it just ended up on this epic legacy box set uh but it's a new song and again i think it's a steve song and it's called wheels and it's a bit of a slow jam a slow burn kind of thing it feels like some of the stuff stand beside me from spirit of things production wise uh and I'm happy to say that they played this on some of those club tours. So a lot of those shows, I would see them do wheels, maybe even before it came out on the box set. And it's just, is always one of my favorites. It's kind of a hidden gem in the Kansas uh, discography. And I would just, you know, it's in my set list, number 11, wheels. Uh, I was so happy when you sent me this this morning because I'd never even heard of this uh, before. I knew about the Kansas box set, but I didn't know there was like a quote unquote new song on there. So I listened yeah. to it and I was absolutely taken back by the lyrics i thought they were great uh like it's you know you're always kind of fighting to move forward in life but there's something that might kind of pull you back as you, and you keep getting older but it's a really mm -hmm. it's a really cool song i did figure out it's steve walsh and carrie are credited as, as the writers and the lineup is allegedly 
the classic mm-hmm. lineup sans Robbie. That's allegedly what the lineup mm-hmm. is with, oh, Dave, with Dave and okay. Cool. So, yeah, alleg- allegedly Dave Hope is playing bass. Awesome. On that right. depends on that depends on how much stock you put in Wikipedia, of course. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have been in the band at that time anyway. It would have been Billy Greer. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, so I wouldn't believe Wikipedia. Yeah, Billy Greer, once he was in, once, you know, basically once he was with Steve in Streets, he was with Steve, you know, until Steve left Kansas. So, yep. yeah. But, uh, yeah, Wheels is awesome. There's another, you may or may not be aware then, they put out that Greatest Hits record, which is kind of like that art that has the amalgamation of the album covers. That was like 80. 485 that came oh, out after yeah. drastic measures yeah and there's one, a there's a one-off there's a one-off elefante song in there called perfect lover yep cool yeah yeah i uh, knew you knew that yeah i i was i, I was reading about that today too because I, I love that i i remember seeing that best of cd everywhere when i was a kid like if there was a kansas cd at like fye or something or at walmart like that was usually what they had they had that or left overture so i remember seeing it growing up mm-hmm. and i was like i wonder mm-hmm. what's actually on that thing so i saw that there's that track that got deleted eventually because when they re-released it they took it off there and they mm-hmm. put on other older tracks and no one together is on there so they knew they knew that song was important at that time yeah. <laughs> i was thinking that when i saw that i was like okay okay you you've clearly acknowledged the song <laughs> yeah that's funny all right so it's i think i'm up next with my number 11 yep all right so i'm i'm gonna throw you a bit of a curveball it's kind of a de facto kansas song i'm gonna go with how can you live from carry seeds of change Does the picture you have in your mind never turn out right? Do the things that you do leave a hole in your soul? Is the best you can do always short of the goal? And the way it's supposed to be just never is. How can you Busts out a solo tune for us, you know, since he's coming back. Uh-huh. He's played some stuff that he didn't play on originally, like those MCA tracks. So we bust out How Can You Live. Um, I love this song. I think it's great. It's kind of an interesting, like, little poppy song on Carrie's Seeds of Change solo album. So I think bringing it to the full Kansas lineup, you can rock it up a bit more. Like, maybe, like, turn down the synth a little bit and bring up the guitars. And uh, I love the chorus because... Other people sing most of the chorus and Steve just kind of gets to improv and do these little vocal runs. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good pick. I didn't, hey man, I didn't know we could go solo records on this one. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I only, I only picked it because, because there's like, I think three Kansas members playing on that song. So it was like, that was my gotcha. rationale. I was like, okay, this is okay. <laughs> there's also a David Ragsdale solo record he put out in maybe 94. 
five or six. Oh, really? Yeah, it's I'd fun. Be, I have I, it somewhere. I, I'd be interested to hear that for sure. Yeah, I, I've not heard much of Carrie's other solo stuff, but I love that Seeds of Change album. Yeah, it's really good. Have you heard, like, what, what do you think of the Carrie, like, Livgren, like, AD albums, like, Prime Mover and stuff like that? Are you a fan of those? They, they never, just Seeds of Change, really, is the one that hooked me, and that's because I got into it when I was a kid. Uh, much of the other Carrie solo stuff, I'd pick it up through the years. It never really stuck with me. Like, especially like the Steve stuff. Steve stuff, you know, I go back to it anytime and I will I will feel and love it every time. But the Kerry stuff, not not nearly as much, you know, and it's kind of a bit of a wash, even that protocol stuff. It, I don't know. Yeah, I, I always, I don't know if my thing's going to be with it and maybe your thing isn't with it at all, but like, I'm a little weird with religious music these days. Like, I get yeah. a little on the fence when I feel like I'm being beaten over the head with a Bible. And for some reason, Seeds of Change doesn't feel like that to me, but I worry that his other stuff might right. feel like that. So uh, who knows? Uh, I'll try. I'll probably try it out at some point, but I was curious what your thought was. Yeah. I like, I'll stick with my Steve's, my Steve solo stuff. Yeah. Glossolalia. Some, we got to do an episode on that someday. I don't know when, but I think we'll do a Glossolalia episode. I would love to do that. And the streets records are both really great too. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so mine, am I up to number 12? You are. My number 12, uh, again, this is a bit of a staple, uh, Mysteries and Mayhem from Mask. Ooh. Especially with both voices doing it, you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't walk away from a Kansas show not wanting to, you know, if they didn't do this, I would be disappointed. So Mysteries and Mayhem, just another rocker. And again, I'm coming back from Hope Once Again, Can't Cry Anymore, Wheels, bit of a, that's the lull in the set, that's the, you know, that's the put your arm around your girlfriend part of the set. And now we're just fucking, we're back into serious business and rockers, and this is about a nightmare and a grim reaper chasing you and you can't run <laughs> you know uh mysteries and mayhem is my number 12 great pick i love that i love that song and again another one that's a highlight from that dvd era so cool yeah 
great pick. Uh, I also love the version on Live at the Whiskey. I've been listening to that version a lot lately. I th- oh, good. <laughs> yeah, he's doing, he's like kind of miming. He's like, you know, I'm running, I'm running. I'm... And he's like, yeah, you know, running bass and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah, Steve, like, it's funny. I find him to be a reluctant front man. Like, he does it when he has to, but I feel like he'd rather be behind his keyboard. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah he, in that situation in the whiskey, you know, he does go back behind the keyboard, but you'll see he comes out, does what he has to do, and then he almost, you know, I think I said it when we did to Robbie, like, he kind of hides, like, it feels like he's going back to hide, like, to his safe space, right? He did his part out here in the front, he ran in place, now I'm going to go back here and do a play the keyboard part, you know? Yep, yeah, totally. All right, so my number 12, I'm going to slow things down for a second. I'm going to go with a song that I didn't get to talk about last time, but from Audio Visions. I'm going to go with Backdoor. As I look out into the night And count the stars all shining bright I wonder where I am And where I'm going Sometimes I think I've lived before I seem to see beyond the door But it's just a crazy notion I leave showing Someday I'll look back at this And know by then The life that we were meant for But I see you leaving Leaving by my back Um, I love this song. I think it's beautiful. Uh, it's an interesting song lyrically. It's kind of existential in a way. Like, I feel like you could, like, it's kind of, you know, like, you know, questioning, you know, reincarnation and how we're all connected, you know, and I always wondered how that sat with Carrie at the time because he's starting to write songs like hold on. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting. But yeah, that song just blows my mind every time I hear it, especially the second verse. Uh, I love Steve and Robbie's voices together. So cool. Uh, great violin solo on the song, absolutely kick ass. But yeah, backdoor, great song. Um, yeah, love love this one. Can't get enough of it. I'd love to see also. This is a good one, I think, these days for the acoustic set where they're all sitting on stools and they're up at the front. Yeah. They could have done that in the '90s too, like because it was unplugged. That would have been great. Yeah, Kansas never had a proper unplugged. They just, you know, they never did like an acoustic record like an unplugged. Maybe they'll do that now with the with Ronnie and this, the way they've been doing kind of a mini unplugged set, like you just said. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a great representation of that on the new live album too. There's a great acoustic version of people of the South wind and a great acoustic version of a uh, lonely street. I love those. Yeah. I should send a note to them and, and their manager and I'll take full credit if they were doing unplugged record. Say, <laughs> we came up with it here on the slide dog music cast. We'll get yes. into credits thing. Yeah, that's all I want. Just my name in the in the CD booklet. That's all I want. Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, good pick. Uh, my number 13, again, this is a staple. We talked about it on the Robbie episode, Cheyenne Anthem. 
could add to that tribute to him but just a powerful song and again just the mix of lyrical content and storytelling and you know the weight on some of these songs and you know this one has you know somberness to it and just gravitas and it's just an important song and it moves me every time i see it so giant anthem it's my number 13. great pick this was this is in my honorable mentions too um the reason i didn't pick this one was because i kind of thought it would be i feel like they play this a lot so that was kind of like I, yeah. another song edged out but i do lo- love this song and i've been i find myself listening to it a lot since robbie's past i i put it on yeah. a lot and i also got a shout out i i think a great version of the song is the always never the same version with uh london yeah. Symphony. it's a great recording yeah. of the song people should check that out oh man sky is falling off of that i didn't even think of that record damn it in your eyes Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Such a great record. I love I love that album. That that was one just of delete, the, Just, man, just that, delete this recording. We'll start over. I'm gonna pick that <laughs> album. <laughs> oh, man. That album actually helped kind of like pull me in all the way. I don't know why, but when that album really clicked with me, I was kind of like full on, like, okay, okay, I'm in all the way. I don't know why it was that album, but it did. Nice. I'm so disappointed. I didn't even think of that. Ah, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Honorable mention, Sky is Falling. Yes, definitely. Nice. So I think we're up to your, your 13, if I'm following. Yep. So next we got some special effects. We got, we got some fog. We got flashing white lights. And then all of a sudden, bursting in with his, with his light up lightning bolt, bolt violin bow. <laughs> Robbie Streinhardt <laughs> commanding the lightning's hand. Thank you. 
love this song. I feel like, he, like, I love that you called this his God of Thunder when we recorded last <laughs> time because it totally is. And I'm like, and I was thinking about it. You could do so much with this song. You could have like a bow shaped like a lightning bolt. Like he's kind of already looks like one of those like Greek God type characters. So he's like Zeus throwing lightning bolts from a cloud. Like it's just a great heavy rocker. And you the, like the imagery you could do with this song on stage is just incredible. Like you could like, yeah, someone needs to create like that bow that I'm thinking of because that would just look so cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Someone can animate that and go into Flash or whatever. Flash, that's a modern reference. Go animate that. Uh, that would be cool. Make an animated video for uh, Lightning's hand with, with an animated Robbie whipping lightning bolts off the stage. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Okay, good pick. Good pick. Yep. And, I, you know, in your set list, so my last three, I'm trying to like build up, like, you know, you want to send them out these last three songs with, you know, the energy is escalating and they're going to, they're not going to want to leave their seat with these last three songs. They're going to be standing, clapping, woo, demanding that three song encore. Right. So, yep. so that's, that's your first of, of your three in the closing. Yep. If you want. Absolutely. Yeah. So mine was Cheyenne. And my second in the, the, my penultimate song in that set proper number 14 is uh, as if you didn't see this coming is no one together. of a song and the energy is so up and the message is so positive and you know about unity and you know i don't know how you can listen to kansas and and you know so i'm just gonna straight up say it be a trump supporter uh you know the, especially a song like this that it's just so 
it's just a song of goodness and unity and humanity and compassion. And it's just a great song, the one together. And again, like technically speaking, it's the mix of the voices. It's, you know, there's a lot of dynamism in the song. Yeah. And it's reversed in this one. It goes uh, Steve Robbie instead of Robbie Steve, like it usually does. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, great choice. I had a feeling this would be coming, so I, I actually listened to it a little more in preparation for the episode. Yeah, cool. th- this is a great pick. Yeah, it's one of the highlights near the end of that Audiovisions re- record, and I can see why they put it on the best of when they, they redid it, because I don't, more people need to hear it. It's a great song, and I think I think when you interviewed Rich, I think he was seriously considering it for a second when you were talking to him. <laughs> if it ever shows up in the set, I'm going to take credit. Although I think I got in Zach's ear most about it, and he's no longer with Kansas. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, need, I need to listen to that one. I think that's the one I haven't listened to. Yeah. I'm actually, this was kind of a near miss when I talked to him. This is between me and you, but it'll be on the episode. I'll have to cut this out. Okay. I asked him, I said, I, I said, I've been looking for someone to do like an album by album of the Kansas discography, almost track by track. Mm. You know, I said, would you be interested in doing that and maybe having a guest on each episode so get get someone else from the band as the third right so it'd be me zach and then a third and he was super into it he was like he's like yeah man i would love to do that you know just clear with management whatever and i I was already thinking of you know for this record we'll get dave for this record we'll try to get rich you know in my mind i was imagining the combinations and stuff get steve morse on one to do you know spirit of things yeah what would that be right uh try to get elefante on for a record uh but um, I never, I honestly just kind of never followed through with it. And then one thing led to another and it just sort of fell apart. But that was a, that was a thing that I nearly did a Kansas discography with Zach Risby. That would have been cool. And it's never too late, man. I, I feel like maybe the podcasting bug will bite you again and you can kind of, re- maybe you can revive that and like listen like thieves and pot graffiti, all that stuff. <laughs> I know there's a lot. I have quite a few that never saw the light of day. I mean, it was just the conversation with him, and I, I don't think I ever even followed up in an email. So I'm sure for him, it probably was one of many conversations he had. So if he would ever hear this, be like, I don't remember that, but you know, <laughs> in my mind, in my mind, like I took it and ran with it. You know, I was like, oh, this would be great. I had a name in mind, which I can't remember right now, but I might even have made a logo or two, but it never came to be. Welcome to Pod of No Return. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's great. So up next, my number fourteen. Uh, we're going to start with Steve playing some ambient keys and kind of twiddling around a bit. And then the storm is brewing. We hear thunderstorm sound effects. And we're going into <laughs> like the, a song that's the absolute fever pitch for me, Rainmaker. Have you ever seen a miracle you couldn't doubt or imitate? What's it really worth to you to shake the holy hand of fate? Well, I did what I could to make ends meet. I've been a gun runner and a medicine man. In a Kansas town, I was a rainmaker. There the hand of fate got out of hand. Rainmaker, rainmaker, 
from the flint hills the land was cracked and dried thirsty streets in misery i took the sign down that said medicine man and put one up that said rainmaker that was me so the town's people gave me many a friend to light a fire I fucking wow. love this song. Hands down, one of my favorite Kansas songs. It's in the top three. I think it begs to play be played live. It just builds and builds and gets epic. And then it explodes at that middle point where like Steve and Steve Morse, they're kind of doing like the, like the solo together, like kind of yeah. going back and forth. Now imagine with Robbie on stage, part of that as well, that would be crazy. And in the verses, like the first two verses leading up to that kind of middle section, Steve just sounds like a madman who witnessed something like incredibly life-changing, but also like really devastating at the same time. Like he's mm. really playing that character so, so well. I took the sign down that said medicine man and put one up that said rainmaker. That was me. Like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so cool. And I think the only way they've played this live is they've done that little snippet when they do ghosts, like with an orchestra. I think that's the only time that like any bit of it's yeah. played live, which, yeah. It's kind of disappointing. I feel like it's a great epic showpiece that deserves to be played live. Yeah, that's. I love the way you describe him, his performance. Right, uh, I started this dance and this storm kicked up. Like he's really, he's really spinning a yarn. The sky went black from coast to coast. Right. Oh, yeah. Too late. Too late to stop. Yeah, too, too late, late to, to pray. pray. It's like this. Oh, it's this big note there. Oh my god. Like he's all at once like proud and terrified and all of that stuff it's so good oh yeah i'm glad that you appreciate that in the same way yeah that's really great yeah i i, I would like if i wouldn't see them when they play that live i would probably just stand there like jaw on the floor like i wouldn't even be able to take a video i would just be like ah holy shit it's happening with like a big video screen behind him where it's like you know dusty hills yeah. in the beginning and eventually it's just pouring rain and he's standing in front of that oh that'd be so good yeah yeah, I, I could see like Robbie just shredding his bow. He's playing so hard. Like, like that is just a chance for everybody to go nuts. And then at the end, when the court, like that kind of chorus part comes back in and Steve's just going like, he's kind of like doing his runs again, improving and just screaming, save us. Like, I just imagine he's like on the floor holding the microphone, just like basically <laughs> oh, yelling into it. Like he's like trying not to drown. Like it's such, it, that song creates such a movie in my head. So yeah, I love yeah. that song. I want to come to your show. I want to see the show that you're supposed to hear. <laughs> like I want to see your show. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my closer on the on the proper set uh, is probably probably an obvious one, but Miracles Out of Nowhere.
and it's you know the the first whatever 70 percent of the song is just absolutely incredible but for me live when phil goes into that you know double bass stuff at the end of miracles out of nowhere and he's just filling he's like going back and forth with these amazing fills just that whole outro section the last 30 percent of the song that's how you close a, a proper set on a concert right that is so much energy i've seen that so many times and i feel it every time goosebumps tears it's just so powerful it's this freight train of rock and roll and you know they never disappoint and i think that's a good way to close the set uh, properly and of course it's classics from left overture i love that song and I, it killed me to leave it out I, I i'm telling you because i've really this has become one of my favorite songs to keep like like at the beginning like you know i liked it but man it keeps moving up and like you know how much i enjoy it it's just a great mm -hmm. great song i love i love kind of the back and forth i love the lyrics in the song and funnily enough your placement is interesting because it's placement where it is right now is how it's placed in the current Kansas show that's going on right now. Like they yep. play that and then the encore is carry on my wayward son. So yeah. And it's for, it's for that reason. There's a, you know, it's this big buildup. It's this just boom, it's this crescendo. And of course, you know, I'm not a drummer, but I suspect that's where Carrie's leaving it all in the, or Carrie, where Phil's leaving it all in the field. Like that's when he's going all out on the drums. If you do that as the first song, you're going to wear the dude out, right? He's not a spring chicken. So, you know, that's why it sort of lands there in the set. Uh, but again, it's the energy, you know, it's this, and then it just drops off and, you know, the fans, how could you not want more after you just saw that? Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible choice. I love it. So after my, craziness that's just happened we've seen you know steve on his knees screaming into a microphone and special effects and everything <laughs> we, we got to close the main set in a grand and epic way but maybe in a not totally mellow way but different way and i'm going with a song that kind of gets me emotional and that's nobody's home Nothing lives within I look around and I find no trace To tell me what has been So far I've come to find There's no one here, no life I fear I came for nothing, they have gone And nobody's home gorgeous steve's voice is a highlight uh for some reason i don't know why this song gets me a little choked up when i hear it i can't figure out why because it just i don't know something about it gets into me uh i love robbie plucking the violin and then dave joining him in on the second verse when that plucking part's going on um no epitaph was written in stone no elegy was read 
uh, man, the, those, uh, there's something about it. I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's someone like discovering, like they, they came to help and they couldn't, no one wanted their help. No one wanted their, to listen to them. And so they just watch this thing destroy itself, whatever it is. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of a, it's a dark ending, but it's really pretty the way the band plays it. And it's got that big grand intro and outro. So I feel like that would be really cool. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I get emotional every time I hear this song too. And I can't, I can't put my finger on the why. The lyrics are powerful. It's the piano. It's the, it's the melody. It's the way the vocals delivered. It's the words he's singing. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those rare, for me anyway, one of those rare pieces of art where it leaves me both terribly sad and optimistic simultaneously. That's a good way Maybe depending on, depending on my mood, what I'm carrying into the listen, right? Sometimes I'm, I'm reflecting and I feel hopeful. Sometimes I'm reflecting and it makes me think of mortality and makes me sad or whatever, but I've never heard this song and not felt it. So I'm glad. And that's a good closer. Absolutely. Good closer. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Love that song. Good one. Uh, so Encore. Encore. In my set, yeah, in my set, they get called it back out for three more songs. I don't know about you, but yep. um, uh, so my first one in the encore, and it's I don't have much to say about this other than I I, I would have feel bad leaving it out as Karen Wayward Son. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no You know, I'm, I'm probably over this song, but kind of like we were just talking about um, Nobody's Home. Like, I I don't necessarily feel carry on my wayward son on the radio or when I hear it on commercials or TV shows or whatever. But live, when my emotions are up and I've seen them just display the stage, I'm going to want to hear it and I'm going to feel it. And the audience around me is going to be standing up and they're all going to be into it. And it's going to add to this overall experience. So if I didn't have that on my ideal Kansas set list, I probably would be a little disappointed. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah. Like, like I I agree with you. There's something about certain songs, even if you're kind of sick of them, 
when you hear them live, like the magic takes you. Like I probably don't listen to Come Sail Away that much on my own, but when I hear Dennis play it live or I hear Sticks play it live, I'm there. I'm yeah. in the moment. So I, I get why you, why you picked it, man. And it brings people together. It's a song that everybody kind of kind of kind of can love. Like it's the universally loved Kansas song along with Dust in the Wind. Well said. Yep. So to start my encore, uh, we've got some more lighting trickery going on. The sound effects roll like there's machine guns and a bomb goes off, and then slowly, oh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, like what? a bomb, like a bomb sound, and slowly, da 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 da, bells of St. James slowly creeps in. Her letters gave me purpose. Her letters gave me pride. Armies pour across the ocean Guns and letters by our side It was someone else's homeland It was someone else's war But at the line of the 38th parallel It was her into that song like that and that's like my final pick from in the spirit of things i love this song her letters gave me purpose her letter yeah that one yeah yep that one (laughs) so it's like a song about a soldier at war and i always imagine like this character kind of grew up in that town that was just destroyed in rainmaker but he's he's Mm. at war so he doesn't know what's going on so this is him him kind of thinking about that town and he has no idea what's just happened uh, it's kind of an eerie song, but I feel like it, it's, it, it gets heavier live. There's some live versions out there on YouTube if you want to check them out. Um, but man, I just think it's such a cool song and it just soars. It's another one that just flies. Yeah, and his voice sounds great on that too. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. I, yeah. Good. Good. Interesting. I like the theatrics of your show. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yours is, mine's a little bit more traditional. Yours is a little bit more you kind of went over the, all over the place. I love it. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Except if cool. people actually come to my show, aside from me and you, there's going to be people rioting. Probably welcome. They didn't play dust in the wind. Yep. Fight fire with fire. Yep. Uh, so my number two in the encore uh, down the road. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the energy we talked about this on a Robbie, and this is a song that they tend to like to close with, and I think for good reason. It has has this classic rock and roll road song feel to it um so you know it's a bit more southern rock than some of their other songs but you know it's still within the kansas uh framework i just think it's a solid solid rocker so 
my encore one and two. We got carry them. Plus, I didn't mention this on the encore. If they come out and the first song they play is carry over the sun, then you're sitting in the audience going like, well, what are the next two going to be? Right. So exactly. Um, so I got carry on and I got down the road as my second song in my encore. I got down the road a little later on, but uh, first up, I'm going to go with my lone John Elefante pick. I'm going to go with Crossfire from Vinyl Confessions. Everybody's holding on to what they're losing, but it all works out okay if you give your life away to the one who's holding fast. It's a promise that will last. Fire. To me, this is the most classic sounding Kansas song on that album. The album's a little more like early 80s, like AOR, kind of like you could compare it to maybe like Loverboy or Survivor or something like that. But man, this one is kind of brings the prog on the album. I love the verses that are downright pretty. And then the chorus kind of kicks in and things go a little faster. Robbie's got some violin fireworks going on. It's a nice showcase for his playing. Mm -hmm. And then Rich gets that killer guitar solo in there. And this had to be a song the band really liked because they didn't just play it on the Vinyl Confessions tour. They played it on Drastic Measures. It lasted over to that tour for that lineup. So mm. clearly this was a song the band liked to play. And I think it would be like, it's a great little hidden gem in their catalog. Yeah, good pick. I did not see that one coming. Good pick. Um, can you guess my third one on the encore? You might mm. be able to. Let's see. Just Lonely, knowing me. Lo Lonely Street? You're... Exactly right. <laughs> yes. I'm that predictable, huh? Sometimes when I'm walking down this lonely street. Well, it sure don't seem like it's been 20 years Since I went walking down this lonely street And the smell of perfume ladies fill the air Shake a cold light
yeah, Lonely Street. And it's, you know, those those last two songs of the encore are just so high energy rockers. And then, you know, and then this at the end of the set would feel like, all right, we'll give them one more. And it starts off with that slow barroom, you know, and you feel like you're like you're in the audience, like they're just giving us one. More. This is great. They don't normally do this extra song. They're just doing it for us. Right. And talking about Steve's soulful vocals, this is this is at least on the record and on the live versions back in the day. This is where I think he's shown the most that in that regard. And I would love to see, you know, DVD era Steve singing Lonely Street and just this coming out and just pouring it on the stage and it would be amazing. Uh, so yeah, my set closes. Everyone leaves exhausted, satisfied, wanting to smoke a cigarette like post-sex. Yeah. Um, after they play Lonely Street and just just kill the stage. That's a great choice. That that's in my honorable mentions too. Um, I, I love this song song man i feel like you could also play up the theatrics on this one like steve could really get into that character you know that guy that wants revenge you know i'm coming i got my gun <laughs> like you could be the madman in the song like that's a really really cool way to end the show and i kind mm. of feels like a set ender to me especially because like i said i've been listening to live with the whiskey a lot lately and there's that version at the end of the album mm. so good yep yep great choice so my closer is uh, Down the Road. rocking closer like everybody kind of gets to play their ass off one last time it's fast robbie's just like shredding his ass off on the violin it's and i love the lyrics i think they're kind of funny here come big mike you know i owe him some beans if i tell him i'm leaving he'll sure enough split my gut man that's great i love that stuff so cool i'll give him a 20 until i get out of town yeah i hit those it's gonna be gone oh so good love it (laughs) Yeah, and I agree. I agree. Like you leave the show exhausted. You, you're basically in your refractory period. Like after sex, you're like, I need, a, I need a cigarette and a sandwich. Like that was just, you know, yes. absolutely just intense. Very cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really have honorable mentions, but I can think of a few. Like I felt yep. bad having lonely. I wanted to have. I wanted to find a spot for lonely wind. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, yeah. What, what were your honorable mentions? So I've got um, Power, What's on My Mind, Closet mm. Chronicles, Fair Exchange, mm. Can't Cry Anymore, 
Reason to Be, House on Fire, mm -hmm. Stand Beside Me. I really wanted to put Stand Beside Me in the set list, but I just, I, I, I don't know, I couldn't find a spot for it. The Preacher, uh, Two Cents Worth, Curtain of Iron, and Under the Knife. Wow. Yeah, all good. I also wanted to find a spot for like Opus Insert. It's oh, funny because that song, that song by title, you think of it as kind of a throwaway, but every time you hear it, it's like this little perfection, little bit of pop goodness, right? It's so optimistic and, and bouncy and it's, you know, it's from Left Overture, but it's just yep. great little hooky song. It's kind of saddled with a name that doesn't really, it's not memorable associated with the song in a way. It's just called Opus Insert, but so good. I wanted to, throw, I wanted to find a spot for that. And again, I didn't have anything for Monolith on my set, which I felt a little bad about, but yeah. yeah Sky I, is falling. Oh, that'd be Damn cool. it. Yeah, all yeah. good stuff. You had a great set list, man, for sure. And to kind of- Likewise. Yeah, to kind of bring it all home, just Kansas and their legacy. I feel like there is a great lineup out there touring right now. <laughs> Like yeah. there's a, there's a tiny tiny faction of people on the internet that I think want Steve back. They're like they're kind of like, well, it's not Kansas anymore. But that that but unlike some bands, it's a not very vocal minority. So I feel like like there's a great you know group of fans out there like Weedheads that still love this music and still go see them play live. So yeah, I'm hoping to catch them in the future. Yeah, I, from my from my perspective on that, um, like everyone loves Steve Walsh, Kansas fans, and you know, he, he just, he retired, right? He stepped away. There wasn't, you know, necessarily any animosity there. It just, he had run his course. We kind of knew that his voice wasn't what it was in 76. And that's just part of the human condition. That's like, people get older and stuff and, you know, um, but they weren't going to, they weren't going to kick him out or what, you know, and no. they certainly, they certainly found a super talented guy that can sing all these songs and have this new burst of energy and from my perspective, you know, I've been to the shows before and after and people get that. You know, I, I'm i a huge Steve Walsh fan. I'm not going to say I don't miss him when I see Kansas now, but I don't miss him when I see Kansas now. Like this is the new, this is the new part of the Kansas continuum and I enjoy this, you know, just the same in, in a sense, right? It's still, it's still what we were talking about at the beginning. It's the songs and it's the individual parts and the recipe and you know, it doesn't displace Steve. I love Steve's solo work. And, uh, you know, he was obviously my ideal lineup here and so forth. But if you have an opportunity to see Kansas in 2021 and beyond, don't hesitate because they, they deliver, man. You'll feel it. They are really good now. I think they are coming to California. I hope you do get to see them. Yep. Yeah, it's a little ways away, but I, it's it's next year. So I've got some time to plan. I think we're going to make it a whole yeah. like trip, go up for the weekend and the show. And yeah. I, I do have a fun nugget I want to share. And maybe you don't know this, but you should probably look this up on YouTube. So on that, uh, always never the same Eleanor Rigby's on there, right? Mm -hmm. so, so for a while they would do Eleanor Rigby in the set. And I saw them with an orchestra once or twice and they would do with the orchestra uh, and without the orchestra. And it was always really cool. But there was a period in there where like when Steve wasn't doing new Kansas music, for some reason they started doing Alanis Morissette Uninvited. Wow. Isn't that, a, isn't that an odd cover? And it would start off with like Steve, just solo keyboard. You know, I, I can't remember how the vocal goes, but um, yeah, it's probably, there's probably clips on YouTube. So search Kansas Uninvited. I think you'll enjoy this weird, like kind of eerie version. It's just, it was, it was this out of left field cover that they did. It was probably 
mid to late nineties um, when that came out. Probably later than that. It might have been two thousand or somewhere there. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, check out Kansas. Go look for Kansas Uninvited. They they never made a record or anything like that, but you know Kansas doesn't do a ton of covers. Bringing them, bringing them back, and that's the only one I can think of. Or the J. That's JJ Kale song. Uh, I saw them the night the the night Greg Allman passed, and they played a an Allman Brothers song, which I didn't know by name. But they don't. That's it. Um, but they don't generally do a lot of covers. So when they I'm sitting there seeing Kansas and they're, what? This, do you know this? This is a Lannis Morissette song. It was the craziest thing. So just a fun little nugget to close on. Yeah, I'll totally check that out. And I also want to encourage people that if, they, if they're outside of the Kansas loop a bit and they, have, and they do want some fresh Steve in their life, check out the Black Butterfly album. It's an album he did after he left Kansas. Um, he gets a little help from a singer called Jerome Iza on certain songs, but it's a really good melodic AOR flavored album. I recommend the song Billy Carbone is Dead. It's a great rocker. Mm, great. Do you, do you, well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. I love all the solo records. We should definitely do a Steve Walsh episode in some way. Yeah, we'll, we'll do like a Steve Walsh album by album where we do start a schemer dreamer and go all the way to Black Butterfly. Oh, we're going to the streets. We got to do the streets records. Man. Oh, yeah. No, no, that comes after schemer dreamer. Right on. Yep. Schemer dreamer, worst album cover. I gotta hate that round cover. So <laughs> it's his like attempt. The worst. At, it's his attempt at a James Bond poster, I think. <laughs> it's the and I, I remember joking with Craig about this. Like as terrible through the years, that was like the, one of the terrible album covers. We would just like point to and make jokes at. And then the Glossolalia album covers, like what the what the hell is this? Like yeah, like that album cover wasn't weird and just off putting enough. Now you got this weird. The, come on, man, what it's are you doing? Are you trying to not right? Yeah, like. I remember when you told me about that album and you told me it was like industrial sounding and I'm like, the cover is, I don't know what this cover is telling me. I really didn't know what to expect when I put it on, but right. that's, that's definitely one of my favorite solo releases of his. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. And thanks for having me on. I, boy, I can't tell you how much I appreciate talking with you uh, just in general, but about Kansas in particular, it means a lot to me and I appreciate you doing that Robbie Steinhardt tribute that that's really helped me. And, you know, I enjoyed doing this fun exercise and always a pleasure chatting with my friends. Always a pleasure chatting with you. And I also would like to publicly thank you. You know, I was thinking about how long I've been doing podcasting and you were really a big part of like, kind of like introducing me to this little scene. We're kind of all, all in, like I knew all you guys and like, I was kind of like scared to jump in and say hi to people, but you, you brought me on for the queen episode and the Rick Ocasek stuff. And you were really cool about that and kept having me back. So I thank you for that, man. I think you're a big part of what helped grow this podcast. Yeah, of course, man. You do good work. I appreciate you. A lot of people do. So keep it up, man. Awesome. Well, till next time I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
Have you ever seen a miracle you couldn't doubt or imitate? What's it really worth to you to shake the holy hand of fate? Well, I did what I could to make ends meet. I've been a gun runner and a medicine man. In a Kansas town, I was a rainmaker. There the hand of fate got out of hand.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.